0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. As we continue on our sermon series today, Summer of Wisdom. If you're new with us, my name is Pat Lassard. I get to be one of the pastors here. We have a preaching team that shares the load from week to week for lots of reasons. Uh, We're going to get into Proverbs today. As the ushers come forward and you need a Bible, you want a Bible, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. They'll be glad to get you one. We're going to be in Proverbs 8, but it's going to be about 15 to 20 minutes before I actually get to the text today. Okay, so just be patient with me. We have a bit more of just kind of setup and stuff as we dive into the book of Proverbs And uh, with that, we love praying here because Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. And so I'm gonna pray for the message today. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray you'd use uh, your words, your word uh, by your spirit with your people for the work that you're wanting to do in each of our lives, hearts, and minds. We pray that you're blessed today as we seek to do right by you. Lord, our eyes fixed on you in faith and hope and love. And we pray for our hearts on the receiving end. Lord, all the right things could be said. You could be speaking loud and clear. And if our hearts aren't ready to hear and wanting to receive, then we'll miss it. Lord, so may our hearts and our minds be prepared as well. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. 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 Proverbs. Proverbs are a significant guide for significant good. A significant guide for significant good. As I was reflecting back on Proverbs and how they have been a guide for me in different seasons of life, I think about a few Proverbs. Uh, Here's here's them on the screen. There's a Proverb uh, 13, 24. It is uh, summarized by spare the rod, spoil the child. Feel free to look it up. Uh, The point is, um, well, I'll tell you, As I've raised and am raising four kids, they're 21 to 13 now, uh, I was super diligent with my first. I apologize, Connor, right? Isn't that the way, right? You're really on it with your first. And so um, then I had a second and then I had a third and got more tired, right? And a fourth and you just kinda, it's not that you care less about them, you just care less, right? (laughs) And so, so this proverb was a significant guide for me of going, uh, I have to make sure to continue to engage and, uh, as a parent and continue to parent, right? And continue to teach and continue to discipline and continue to guide or else it could go really bad and they could actually end up destroying themselves. Um, it's, so you gotta be engaged. So step it up, spare the rod, spoil the child. Anybody, any parents with me? Yeah, a little chuckle, chuckle. Um, this next one was r- this sig- significant as well. Um, many of you know some of my story. I was married before um, before Lisa, and that marriage blew up. I didn't want it to blow up. I wasn't in control, and uh, it was unreconcilable. Okay, um, irreparable. And so I went through a a season of singleness and single parenting. And as I was prepared and ready for a new relationship, this verse was significant, a significant guide for me in who I was to look for. It was evident that my picker was broke and I wanted God to use his picker. (laughs) And so charm is deceitful and beauty is fading, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Charm is charming, beauty's beautiful there's a lot of charming women there's a lot of beautiful women, fantastic that doesn 't hold the family together. that doesn 't hold the marriage together. But a woman who fears the Lord, watch out and over and over again in the fourteen years Lisa and I have been married, this is proven true. I was reflecting on it this last week her her soundness her that her anchor is in the Lord, and her reverence and awe and fear that that is the primary decision maker when push comes to shove, watch out. Thank you, Lord. It is continued to reap good. Right? That guide has been continued to be good. And then this next one actually has to do with uh, my journey here. So two and a half years ago, God called uh, me and my family to be a part of what God is doing here at North Shore. So we sold everything from Coeur d'Alene and moved over here. And as I was holding on to a lot of relationships that I have so many close brothers and sisters uh, at, in Coeur d'Alene, the Post Falls area, that there was a time where uh, this was brought to mind of as things were going on, I was struggling in different ways as a human being, um, I was called to this, better as a neighbor who is near than a distant brother. Better, I, I need to invest and press into those that are with me before me and establish some of those friendships and allow the friendships that I had to be what it was. And so it has been a significant guide for significant good. What proverbs in your life have served as a significant guide? What Proverbs in different seasons have you held on to and it's helped you, guide you as you walk with the Lord? Proverbs are great. We know them, we love them, and we live them. Beyond the Bible, we know Proverbs. Here's a handful of them, and you'll know most of the fill in the blanks. Many hands, as you see the blank, you say it loud and proud. Okay? Many hands make light work. Don't blank judge a book by its cover. Actions speak louder than words. Sh- you might, Some of you know this. Some of you might not. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. <laughs> show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The power of Friends. Makes you much of who you are. Okay? And then blank a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. Teach a man a fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. Nice! We know them, we love them, we live them. There's proverbs that are outside of the Bible, we'd say extra biblical, uh, that we know, we love, we live. The early bird catches the You guys do some of these. These are proverbs. A proverb is a truth. There's a truth, and it is meant to advise you. It is meant to give you a piece of advice in how you are to live, how you are to behave, how you're to go about your life. Uh, There's a proverb that I came across probably six, seven years ago that I love. It is All truth is God's truth. It's not in the Bible. All truth is God's truth. Now you can take that, you can misunderstand that. Uh, The point is, if you find something that is true, you could take any one of those, find a truth in it, though it's not, the source is not, you know, coming from God's mouth. The source, sorry, the truth always points back to the ultimate source, which God is the truth. For example, Mahatma Gandhi. I love this statement. Uh, He said, be the change that you want to see in the world. I'm not a Mahatma Gandhi follower. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. And he said something that is true. He said something that there is truth in. And Jesus himself lived. Jesus was the example of be the change that you want to see in the world. He exactly did that. So you don't have to just throw it all out because he's not a Jesus follower. There's a truth there to follow. All truth is God's truth. God is the ultimate source of truth and it points back to him. What's a proverb outside of the Bible that you've lived by? We know him. We love him. We live by him. What are proverbs that you've lived by? As we continue on in this dive into proverbs, Uh, I want to lay out something that's really important. This might be a a first time that you've ever kind of processed this type of thing, but Proverbs in context is super important. I think it's really significant. I I actually feel like this is the most important point of this message for me just to, for us to be able to process. Um, Proverbs in context. It's one book that's a part of three books, the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And those three books are a part of 66 books, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, okay? So one book that's a part of three books, three books that are, that are a part of 66 books, okay? Proverbs in context. I have this chart here. I've got some topics that I want us to walk through. So picture that you're sitting down, let's say kind of a a personification of you're sitting down with Proverbs, not necessarily Solomon. Let's just say you're sitting down with Proverbs, the person Proverbs, okay? And you're sitting down with the person Ecclesiastes, and you might be like, I don't remember what Ecclesiastes said, you know. <laughs> and then you're sitting down with a person, Job. You have the wisdom literature before you, okay? And you're going to ask them some questions. You're going to say, tell me your wisdom about parenting and family. Proverbs would say something along the lines of this. Parenting and family. Train up a child in the way they should go. Discipline your kids. And they will be prosperous, Ecclesiastes would say something along the lines of, cherish the moments that you have in front of you in spite of how grueling it might be. And then Job would say something like, God might allow your family to be taken away before you want, but God is committed to you and is trustworthy in your darkest hour. You guys tracking with me? Notice how different those responses are And that is the wisdom literature, speaking wisdom, hakma, which we'll get to in a little bit, speaking on life, giving advice. So view Proverbs in view of the wisdoms that are spoken, not solely just Proverbs in what it says. Okay, there's more to it. Let's take another topic Here work and money. Proverbs would say something along the lines of work hard, save a little, don't be lazy, don't chase after easy money. Okay, simple enough. Ecclesiastes, work and money are like a mist. Don't put much, too much stock in them. One day you're going to hand it all over to someone else so and find enjoyment in your toil. Super fun, encouraging. Job, you might f- face accusations as others lack understanding and insight. Sometimes you might reap what you did not sow, good or bad, but God is wise, just, and merciful in the end. Very different voices than Proverbs, right? One more topic life and death. Proverbs would say something along the lines of, live this way and life will go well for you. Fools die early from their foolishness, cut and dry, black and white, okay? Ecclesiastes would say, this is super fun, right? Something nice and light. I've seen it all and the day you die is better than the day you're born. You're going to die like everyone else. Don't be fooled or surprised by it. Live your life with death in view. Are you glad you came to church today? (laughs) Job. Job might say God might allow it all to be taken away and you have no control of his timing. However, God does. He holds it all together from beginning to end, being sovereign over all things. Proverbs in context. Wrestle with that as I've been wrestling with that. Another piece of Proverbs in context is Proverbs is not meant to be I'll say this. Most Proverbs are not meant to be standalone promises. Most Proverbs are not to meant to be standalone promises. Take these two Proverbs from Proverbs 15. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Well, they could, right? Without with the the point is with counsel you're going to increase your chances and odds as you have others weigh in and and advise give you wisdom and insight it's going to increase your chances of things going well for you however there are still factors outside of your control say pandemic right or the economy or whatever right that you could still have a fantastic say business plan with great wisdom and insight and it could still not work out well, okay? The point is get advice from other people. Also, a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. It could, right? There's an out of control variable of the other person and what their temperament is, right? The point is in general, you being kinder and giving a soft answer in the midst of a harsh response is to liken their, lessen their aggressiveness. But there's a factor that, right, they could be out of control and there's no reasoning with them, okay? So not all proverbs are meant to be standalone promises. But then you take these other two. Whoever oppresses a man insults his maker But he who is generous to the needy honors him. That is always true for all people at all times. You insult someone who is poor, you are insulting the one who made them, God. And who is generous to them in their need, Jesus said, as you have done to the least of these, you've done unto me. It's always a good thing. Also, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. That is always true. There is a security when it comes to, you know, you got nothing to hide because you're doing what's right. There's a security and a confidence that comes from that. And at the end of the day, at the end of life, everything will be exposed. Thoughts, deeds, God sees perfectly and will judge perfectly. So it's important in Proverbs in context. Okay? All right. We're going to get into it. We're close, close to Proverbs 8. We opened up as Tyler led us into the the initial verses of Proverbs 1, and I love what he said. He said, wisdom is simply living life the way God intended life to be lived. It's a way of loving God with our minds. And it works because wisdom comes straight from God's character. I love that. And then Mark, last week, he took on the rest of chapter 1 on through chapter 7. And he says, if it's not really real, it's not really going to satisfy. It'll be as good as sugar water. Right? Nothing else compares to the life that God offers. Today, we're going to get into Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 9. We're really spending our time in Proverbs 8 as we look at lady wisdom and chakmah. But Proverbs that concept bleeds right into Proverbs nine. Even won't be even though we won't be reading those passages today. Lady wisdom and hakma, wisdom in Proverbs eight is personified. It's made out to be a person as she, as they talk about wisdom. It's like it's like a person for the narrative story that's being rolled out. And the Hebrew word for wisdom is hakma. So we're gonna build out and define what that means as we go on. So let's start in verse one. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gate, in front of the town, and at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O foolish, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Notice, notice, I, and I love this. Proverbs is with the people. Notice, Lady Wisdom is not sitting on a mountain all by herself, that you have to hike to like some guru, right, isolated. Proverbs is around. Proverbs is available and accessible and with the people. Proverbs makes, sorry, I keep saying Proverbs, wisdom makes herself available to all, calls out to any and all who will hear, any and all who will have her, any and all who will receive her. She is obtainable. She's not unobtainable. It goes on. Um, Verse 15. Let's pick up from there. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield better than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the path of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Notice, hakma, wisdom. It's how God has established authorities and positions with responsibility. Notice, those in positions of authority and responsibility, as they use that faithfully in a just, righteous way, they are using chakmah. They are using wisdom. As they do what's right, they are using hakma in their roles. And let's go on from verse 22. The Lord possessed me, me, wisdom, me, hakma, at the beginning of his work. When he assigned the sea its limits, so the waters might not transgress his commands. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. Notice, God used hakma to make every single thing. It was hakma. it was wisdom that was the blueprint for everything that God had designed, the grain of the universe, God designed by wisdom. It was by hakma that he precisely placed the earth 94.399 million miles away from the sun. Not too far, not too close, Just 93.4999 million miles away from the sun, right? And he just happened to tilt it at 23.5 degrees, right? And he sent it in an orbit of the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and none of you are flying off of it. It's amazing. And the earth spins at 1,000 miles an hour as it goes around the sun, 67,000 miles an hour. And that's just one star and one planet within our Milky Way galaxy, and that's just one galaxy of at least 100 billion galaxies within the universe. That was by Hakma. God did that. God did that. As he made the earth and the seas and the skies as you think about, it's kind of a simple thing, but it's a complicated thing. How have the oceans not overflown yet? Rivers are constantly pouring into the ocean, thousands and thousands of years, and they did not overflow. right? Overflow, is that how you say that? Carla, help me out. Thank you, good. How's that possible? Right, in the water cycle, right? In the seasons, by Hakma, God did that. And he didn't stop there. And I'm not just taking a cheap shot here. I, I genuinely believe this. It was by chakmah that God created two genders, right? It was by hakma that God made male and female with animals, even with plants. That's amazing. And especially with human beings. And it's by hakma that God made men and women in his image and his likeness. And it was by Hakmah that God breathed his own spirit and gave breath and put it, his breath in our lungs. It's by Hakmah that God established marriage, a marriage covenant between one man and one woman. That was his wisdom. That was his great understanding and skill and applied knowledge that he did that. That's him. It's by Hakmah that he created families to be structured from that type of commitment and covenant relationship. It was by hakma that he put a need for every single one of us for friendship and relationship. That we would be known and know others. That we would be loved and love others. He did that by hakma. It was by Hakmah that he created authorities and responsibilities and purpose and meaning in life. That we would go about carrying out his work that he has established from Genesis 1 as he handed it over to us. He didn't complete it. He gave it for us to continue to work. That was by Hakmah that he entrusted that to us, making us ambassadors of his, made in his image and his likeness. It was by Hakma that he did not make you into a robot. It was by Hakma that he gave you the freedom and ability to choose, to say yes, to no, to reason, to reject, to process. It was by Hakma that he gave you that ability. He did not make you a robot, that he has no desire for you to be a religious robot. He wants you to be free He made you like Him. I love it. It was by hakma that He sent His Son, the only, the perfect sacrifice. That that it was by hakma that Jesus showed us how to live, and then He became our sin and died, the perfect sacrifice for all sin, for all time. Everything you've done in the past, everything you're going to do tomorrow, for the entire world, right? Sufficient for all things. That was by Hokmah that he did that, and he didn't stay dead, so that we would be set free from the reign and rule of sin, of the flesh, of Satan. we would have hope in Jesus. I love it. It is by Hokmah that God made Jesus the only way, not one of a million ways, but He's the only one. God did that by Hakmah. But he didn't just stop there. God didn't just keep hakma to himself. God gave hakma away. He gives us hakma too. The craftsman who built the tabernacle with all the ornate intricacies of that holy sacred space it was by hakma that they used those. I love this. The Exodus 35:35. 35, 35. This is one of many verses that capture this wisdom here. He has filled them with hakma skill to do every work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroider in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine twined linen or by weavers or by any sort of workman or skill or designer. That's just an example, right? It is by a great understanding they mastered their craft. It is a skill. It is an applied knowledge. It was by Hakmah that Moses' father-in-law came alongside Moses and taught him leadership, delegation, administration. It was by Hakmah that David mastered the craft of slinging a stone. Right? But... Even to today, even beyond that, even to today, it was by hokmah that our brother, Martin Luther King Jr., led a divided nation to view and value what God viewed and valued within our black brothers and sisters. It was by hokmah. It was by hokmah that Ben Carson, for the first time in history, successfully separated surgically conjoined twins. And then much less noble mentions, right? It is by hakma that Julio Rodriguez, LeBron James, Ken Griffey Jr., right? Old school, right? Can master the craft of a ball. It's by this great understanding. But beyond Bible heroes and superstars, it's by Hawkma that Ben Branfuss masters the craft of audio and lighting. It's by Hawkma that Josh and Brittany master their craft and lead us in worship. If you've ever had a serious conversation with Pastor Scott Harris about a complicated relational situation, it is by hakma that he gives great insight far beyond I ever think about it's by hakma that my wife is so discerning. Blows me away. It blows me away. It's by hakma that Dan Richards in our business office, faithfully of integrity, handles our finances for our church and our academy. Don't think about wisdom as being just the guru on the mountain that you have to go seek out and hopefully you make it to the top, right? And then you remember what they said. Hakma, wisdom, God has made it available. It calls out, it cries out to any and all who will receive. When you've had a masterfully beautiful cup of coffee, it's by hakma. It, it is by a great, I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. It is by a great understanding and applied knowledge and skill that one is able to enjoy life in that way. If you've ever been served under a great nurse, it is by hakma that they serve and lead and care. If you've worked with a financial planner and they have this great understanding of money and management, right? It is by hakma in which they use that. Have you ever had a house built or repaired, right? It's by great understanding. God makes wisdom available to us. God used hakma in all of his designs, in literally the grain of the universe. God gives us hakma to embedder the world, to embedder life, to embedder others, and for our enjoyment in life. Hawkman's is not out of reach. It's not unobtainable. It's not for the elite humans, but it's available to every single one of us. God made that possible. And with that, I just want to spend our last couple minutes here on uh, the next steps. What are your next steps? What's God stirring in you? Okay. One possibility is for you to get on board and go with the grain of God's wisdom perhaps in this series there is something that God has brought your attention to. And there's a part of your life that you're, you've been more of on the fool side versus the wise side. Okay? That happens to us. Anybody ever that happened to you? Right? Anything God ever, you know, drawn up and going, that is, that is not what I've called you to. Okay? So that might be you. There might be something in your life that you that God's pointing out and saying, I want you to grow up here. I want you to get on board with me and my design. You have to go with the grain. If you go against the grain, it is not going to go well for you. But if you go with the grain, I'm with you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will help you. One of my favorite prayers when you're in a really desperate place is, and you don't know even how to proceed, is God, help me be willing that I would even be willing. If you're that stuck, God, help me be willing that I'd even be willing to follow you where you're calling me. Another place that you might be is you feel like you need to grow in something. You want to obtain something. You want to grow in wisdom. There is a need in your life, and you're needing to initiate. You're needing to pursue. We just want to encourage you, seek it out. Seek it out. Get the book. Make the phone call. Set up the meeting. Get on your knees and pray. Seek it out. Seek it out. A couple verses that I hold on to personally and often go over are a uh, uh, a verse in Jude that says, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Initiate it. Seek it out. And then Timothy says, train yourself for godliness. Seek it out. Pursue it. Don't passively let life just happen. Seek it out. And then lastly, has God given you some hakma in a certain area of life? Use it, use it, use it. Use what you've been given to bless others, to serve others, to lead, to help, to heal, whatever it might be, to manage, to organize. Use the hakma that God has given you. Be faithful with it. What's God doing? What's God doing with you? I'm gonna give you a moment just to pray and then Josh will lead us here.